0: Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. I want to ask a question. <laughs> I want to ask you a question this morning. Uh, actually, the title is Freedom and Responsibility Today. That was last week. But um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I want to ask you, what what is freedom? What is freedom anyway? Uh, some people think that freedom is, is just about, it's just a license to do whatever you want, wherever you want, whenever you want, however you want. It's absolutely no restraints or restrictions. Webster's new collegiate dictionary says that freedom now this is a new collegiate dictionary because the old Webster's would not have put it exactly this way. The new collegiate dictionary says freedom is the exemption from necessity in choice and action. But that's not real that's not true. That's not real freedom. That will result in uh, disorder, chaos, selfishness, slavery, bondage. You see, in much of the world today, the, the movement now for, for decades has been to move away from absolutes, to move away from God uh, as being the one who gives us absolute truths of right and wrong, good and evil, and has been moved more toward, well, what is the consensus? What do you think about it? Um, the idea, if, if, it, if it's okay for you, it's okay. If it's okay for me, it's okay for me. I determine what is right, what is wrong. There's no absolute, and when a world moves, when a society moves in that direction, uh, then the result is not good, because freedom, freedom cannot exist unless it's under authority. So let let me point out three things to you very quickly, that, that I think these are very basic but very important. True freedom only exists or operates under right authority. That's what we said last week. True freedom only exists under right authority. And that's God. True freedom can only exist when a person comes under God's authority. The second thing is, is that true freedom requires responsibility. True freedom requires responsibility. And the third is, and these are not necessarily in order of importance, but true freedom starts on the inside. You can be in prison and yet have an encounter with Jesus Christ, know Him as Savior, and you're free. You may still be behind bars, but you're free on the inside. But you can be free in the sense of doing whatever you want to do and yet be enslaved, be in prison by yourself, by the opinions of others, by other things that will try to enslave you. Now... In recent years, we've seen a lack of respect for authority continue to grow. The idea is, is, if I don't really like what you're telling me, if I don't like something, then I just rebel against it. I just don't do it. Maybe I'll burn down a few buildings and flip a few cars and, you know, protest violently, but I don't have to do it because nobody tells me what to do. That rebellion against authority is very, very serious today. The lack of respect for authority. Now, let me do a quick recap or fly over last week just this, that we looked at the source of our freedom. Of course, it originates from God, that He's the source. Freedom is a gift. God gives us freedom. That's His desire. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, He gave freedom, the right to choose, make decisions. They were to do that under His blessing, under His promises, under His word, under His authority. And as long as they did that, they lived a blessed life and a free life. But they chose to step out from under His authority to rebel against His authority. And the result of that was not good. In bondage to the enemy, to Satan, in bondage to their own sin. And the result of that, of course, we've seen down through the ages, even to our time So God desires us to be free, but that freedom has to come under the right authority. Galatians chapter 5, verse 3, Amplified Bible says, It was for this freedom that Christ set us free. He completely liberated us. Therefore, keep standing firm and don't be subject again to the yoke of slavery. So he says, it was for freedom. It's his will. He desires it would be free. Stand in it. Walk in it. New Living Translation says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery and law. And we said that freedom sources from God. We said that we receive freedom, real freedom, through Jesus Christ. We're no longer bound by religious law. We're not saved by our own performance. We're saved by grace. Amen? Amen. It's a gift from God. Now as we receive that grace, it changes us. And we, we live accordingly produces good works in us, but we receive freedom through Jesus from sin, power of Satan, from the law, and then we're called on to, thirdly, to exercise freedom, and we're to exercise that freedom under his authority, and we're to exercise that freedom with authority. As believers, as Christians who walk who live the life of faith, you are to live with authority. That authority has been given to you through Christ. He has all authority. He's given authority to you and me as his followers. Now, whether we accept, whether we walk in it, whether we live like it or not, whether we use that authority, that's up to us. But he's given us that authority that he wants us to use in our life. But here's an extremely important truth. Being under the authority of God equips you and releases you to walk in the authority that he gives you. Say it one more time. That you must be under the authority of God in order to equip you and release you to walk in the authority he's given you or desires for you. With authority. With freedom, with power, comes responsibility. (laughs) You know how you know how difficult it is today to find responsible people? People that will keep their word. People that will show up on time. People that will do their job. It's challenging sometimes. I talk to people in, in the business world and uh, um, they're, they're trying, they're looking for good workers. They're looking at, they're willing to pay them well, but they just need someone that will work, show up on time, do a good job. And, and that's, that's what they're looking for. And over and over again, I hear them say, I, I just can't find, there's just not that many people out there anymore, they say, who really want to work, who will really take responsibility. found that to really be true. they are kids who don't want to take responsibility. And that's part of the role of parents is to teach them the importance of taking on responsibility—extremely important. You have to look hard sometimes a day to find a responsible person. People today don't usually want to take a, a responsibility. I, re- I remember, and since their age group is not meeting this morning, uh, they only—they don't meet on the first Sundays. Then I'll take it a chance to embarrass one of my granddaughters. <laughs> <coughs> Um, Anna, we we picked up uh, Ethan and Anna, this is when they were much smaller, and she was just, um, I don't know, she probably was six, seven years old, maybe. And we picked them up from school and we were riding, and they were in, sitting in the back seat, and we were driving from school back to our house. And we were talking about something that uh, was important to remember or need to take, uh, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I remember. Anna saying, "Well, tell Ethan he's the responsible one." <laughs> she said, "I'll never forget that. Just tell Ethan he's the responsible one." Uh, people don't want to take responsibility today. It seems it's um, it, it's a it's a real problem. Now, uh, that's kind of the. PC, the political correct world we're living in right now. I don't want to be responsible, so I'll just blame someone else. I don't want to be responsible, so I'll just be offended by what you say. You know, it's got to where you can't hardly say anything. Let me tell you something. We have a responsibility in our speech, we have a responsibility not to slander. We have responsibilities there. We have responsibility to tell the truth. But we need to see here that there is an encroachment upon religious freedom and freedom of speech in this country like I've never seen before. You're not allowed to say this because it doesn't agree with my agenda or political stand. You don't deserve to stay in this country because you don't believe like I believe. Let me tell you, that's dangerous. And that's un-American. Uh, People who don't want to take responsibility uh, and so they just blame someone else or they are offended by everything. So it's a problem because they blame someone else because they're offended at everything and because they want to bypass authority. Let's look at responsibility and freedom. Let me quickly point out three things that are important to remember. First of all, I think we could all agree that freedom is valuable and costly. It's valuable and costly. It's a gift from God. God wants you to be free. It's valuable. I remember the uh, African story of, of that, there's a little story that was entitled uh, How to Control an Elephant. How to Control an Elephant. It said when you take a small elephant, you know if an elephant's ever small, but you take a real young elephant, put a chain around its leg and tie it to a tree and they do that when an elephant is very young. And, it, it, and so the elephant's used to the fact that when he's there, he's tied to that tree. And so all over the years, as he grows older, he, tra- he tugs against that chain to try to pull loose, to try to get free. But he can't, and the harder he tries, the more it hurts Till finally he just succumbs to the fact that this, is, this he can't move. This is where he is. He's bound. As the elephant gets much larger and stronger, They can take and drive a stake into the ground and tie that elephant's leg to the chain. And that elephant has the strength and ability to pull that stake out, but he doesn't. You know why he doesn't? Because he remembers. Because over a period of time, he has has come to a point where mentally, mentally, he's still tied to that tree. And the freedom that we have through Christ, oftentimes it's that way. He's set us free. We have freedom from our sins. We have a brand new life in him. But you have to renew your mind. You have to change your way of thinking and understanding that as a Christian, that is a Christian, that you're not bound by those chains anymore. And it's so difficult sometimes to get Christians to realize that because mentally they're still bound by their past. They haven't learned to live free. They've been set free, but they haven't learned to live free. Some of you this morning maybe need to get the, the hold of the idea that you've been forgiven by his grace. You've been set free, and he wants you to experience living in that freedom. Don't be brought back into your past. Don't be brought back in your failures. Don't be brought back under the criticism and opinions of others. Experience the freedom that he offers you today. John 8:36 says, therefore. If the sun sets or makes you free, you shall be free indeed or unquestionably free. Folks, according to Psalm 33, verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It's valuable. The blessing of the Lord is valuable. Too often we take our freedom for granted, don't we? I think think we do. I think that's why we kind of Slid into the place where we are in this nation right now is because we failed to take a stand a generation ago or more. And so gradually we've allowed those freedoms to be just simply taken away or removed. Sometimes under the guise of the fact that you're not free to do this because there's a law against it. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. it's extremely, extremely important for us to understand that this nation, there's no other nation in the world like this. It doesn't mean that God loves us anymore than He loves anyone else. But I've been in a lot of different countries than many of you have. And there's some wonderful things about those countries. And I have friends who live in those countries. And they enjoy it and that's where they want to live. But all of them, though they may love that country and And the desire to live there, they still will say there's no country like America. There's just no freedoms. It's just different. It's different. I'm concerned that a younger generation doesn't really get that. I'm concerned that probably the last two generations were not taught that by their parents. It was not exemplified before them by many, and it certainly wasn't brought to them in the school system. And so they have no foundation of the history of this nation. They don't have anything to build on. They don't. There's no no foundation. And so they're easily taken one way or another. That's why you have so many young people, even in universities today, who are socialists. Who are communists. Who are socialists. Who hate the way that this country is governed. Who despise free... They despise free enterprise. It just means that everyone needs to have equal. It doesn't matter how hard you work or how much you earn. Someone else over here, they don't work. They don't earn anything, but they deserve to take what you have. You need to give them. You're forced to give them so, to them so that you can be equal. The, the socialistic idea has failed. Nations who are living under socialism right now are mostly third world nations, are, and they're, they're destitute, and the people are bound And yet you even have people running for Congress this year who are avowed socialists. It's because they don't get it or either they have opposed the very principles and truths of what this nation was built on. It's something that's important. We need to never forget how valuable it is to be free and to have and be a part of a free nation. I appreciate it so very much. Freedom is valuable, and freedom is also costly. Well, people say, well, isn't salvation free? Yes, salvation is free to us. It's a gift, but salvation is not free. Jesus paid for it on the cross. There's a high cost to real freedom. Freedom is costly. There's a high cost to freedom of this nation, people that have sacrificed their lives over the years. When the pilgrims first crossed the ocean coming from England and from other parts of Europe, they came to be free from oppressive governments. They wanted religious freedom. They wanted economic freedom. They wanted new opportunities. And many of them when they came they sensed it as a, they believed that it was a divine call of God to come to this place to be like a city on a hill, which is what's referred to Jerusalem. But this was to be in a sense a city on a hill that this country was to be the the place where the light of the gospel would be shined to the whole world. And in a sense, that's what it's been over the years. Unfortunately, now it seems that other nations are actually needing to shine that light into America. But they saw that we, we, we come to this country because we have a sense of call. Most of your major uh, universities, your Ivy League universities that you have today, they were found, if you go back to their founding articles, they were found primarily to train preachers and teachers and those that would espouse the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like Harvard, Yale, a few others. Amazing where this country's come to. I read this statement, I think it's pretty powerful. Peter Marshall was was a well-known pastor and writer many years ago, the late Peter Marshall. He was chaplain of the U.S. Senate many years ago. And this is what he prayed in the Senate chamber one time. He said, Lord Jesus, thou art the way, the truth, and the life. Hear us, we pray, for the truth shall make all free. Teach us that liberty is not only to be loved, but also to be lived. Liberty is too precious a thing to be buried in books. It costs too much to be hoarded. Help us see that our liberty is not the right to do as we please, but the opportunity to do what is right. Wouldn't you like for that to be happening in the country and in Washington, D.C. today? this concept or idea of a free nation. It was amazing to see the wisdom and the insight and the devotion of those founding fathers. It was a miraculous sort of thing. And they understood that this great adventure and experiment of, of the United States or America, they understood that the only way it would succeed was to acknowledge God. The only way for it to succeed was in order for it to succeed was to avow and believe in the morality of God and have faith in God. That's the only way. The only way a democratic nation can survive is if it is a nation who trusts and turns to God. The only way. Freedom is valuable. We need to treasure it. Freedom is costly, very costly. The second thing is freedom requires restraints. Now that sounds odd, doesn't it? That freedom requires restraints. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6.12, he said, All things are lawful to me, but all things are not helpful. There are certain restraints. There are certain things that we don't do for various reasons. For the way it harms someone else or the way it harms us because it's contradictory to what God teaches. But freedom requires restraints. Now, there are, there, there are restraints or limits There are inner restraints. Those inner restraints are uh, something that comes from within. These are morals that you've been taught, guidelines you've been taught. Uh, From a spiritual standpoint, the restraints that you have as a Christian is something that's in you. you. You don't do these things to keep the law. You don't do the right things to keep the law. Why do you do the right things? To please God, to honor Him, to obey Him. It has to come from a changed heart. So being restrained from a, chain, from a changed heart is the way it's supposed to work as a Christian. We're not supposed to be under religious dominion a bunch of laws and do's and don'ts. We're supposed to be in a place to where we are led by the Holy Spirit and there's an inner restraint. The Holy Spirit shows us to go this way or that way. The Holy Spirit says no. The Holy Spirit says don't. The Holy Spirit shows us what truth and what's a lie. Those inner restraints is so extremely important. Now, when when they're when our children are young, they're taught these things like their laws and rules and things. But our goal is, as Christians, for to lay that groundwork in them, and then for the then for that to be. Built inside of them and engraved in, and, and inside of them, so that as they grow older, they are responsible. They're doing the right thing because it's something that's on the inside of them, and someone doesn't have to continue to give them orders. That inner restraint is is is, is a good thing. And then there's their, the outer, external restraint, and we call those laws and authorities. One of the strengths of this nation is the fact that it's been a nation of laws. A nation that was governed by a constitution. An amazing document, a brilliant document that stood the test of many years. Did you know that the Supreme Court was never supposed to be the law of the land? The constitution is the law of the land. The Supreme Court was never to make laws. The Supreme Court was to interpret the laws according to the Constitution. It shouldn't matter whether it's Republican. It does because of their conservative or liberal views. But the main thing you would think would be in a, in a Supreme Court would not be what political party they are, but whether they interpret those laws according to the Constitution or not. Some our Supreme Court justices now interpret the law according to European law. It is the conservative judges and the Supreme Court who are the people who interpret, right now, are the people who interpret the law according to the Constitution, the original intent of the Constitution. That's why it's extremely important, regardless of political views or regardless of whether you like this person or don't like this person, it was a, it was a life-changing, a future-changing event for this last justice to be one who was One that was a constitutionalist. Had it been one appointed that was liberal and European law and non-constitutionalist, this nation would be headed down a path that could not be reversed for generations. That's why it was, that's one of the primary reasons it was important. Some of the things that have been decided over the last year, year and a half, two years have been amazing. They, whether you like a person or not, whether you like the way they do things or not, you as a Christian, can we not rejoice in the fact. Can we not rejoice in the fact that God is blessed in this, he's blessing this nation? In spite of all the trouble and all the things that, sh- all the lack of civility and all the things that need to stop, in spite of all that, there's a stronger pro life stand and statement in the United States than there has been in years. In spite of whether you like a person or, or people or not, never. In my lifetime has there been a more outspoken administration for religious freedom and freedom of your faith. Never. The Constitution that governs, that, that helps to interpret the law, the, the right to life, protection of life in the unborn, Religious freedom. Listen, as a believer, we need to look at those things carefully when we're making decisions and when we're voting because we don't always, we don't always necessarily like a person here, but you're going to have to look at the, you're going to have to look at the results of what's going to take place. But our true freedom is not found in a country or in a man's, or in in the government. Our true freedom is found in trusting the Lord. There's a danger today of activist judges that have been appointed over the last 12 years or so that are rejecting and reversing the decision, even that the people vote for or desire. This is a serious problem. We're seeing a spirit of lawlessness in the world by people, we could say, on both sides. We're seeing lawlessness. In some issues, we're seeing horrible, violent things happening. We're seeing people who, who are treated terribly, and regardless of whether people agree on something or not, we need to understand that if this freedom is to survive, you can't begin, you can't start shutting off the freedom of someone else. You can't start attacking someone who just who doesn't agree with you. You can't incite mobs against something or someone you don't believe. Freedom is valuable. Freedom must have restraints. Now, some restraints are bad. If you've got restraints that, some people have restraints that are health-related. You know, if a certain physical condition, and so in a way that their physical condition limits them and some people are restrained by by actually being in prison paying a price some people are restrained by ignorance ignorance is limiting them some people are restrained by their environment some people are restrained by their relationships there's some bad restraints. But hey, I need to tell you that since freedom, since freedom requires restraints, we need to understand there are some good restraints. Some restraints are good. What in the world could that be? Well, seat belts. <laughs> it's the law. Now I survived. My kids survived. My kids survived without car seats. We survived. He survived without heaven. You know, I I have a sense there to where I I think we need a a sense of teaching people and taking responsibility for doing things. How far the government encroaches on certain things is a real issue. People have different ideas on that. But seatbelts can be, I mean, seatbelts save lives. Harnesses. Anybody ever been to Six Flags or to Disney World? And some of those rides... They come by, they come through and they check everything. they check the harnesses around you. Let me tell you something. After they check those harnesses, I check them again. Because <laughs> some of those things turn upside down. You know, in terms of they, they, it's good. So harnesses, man, they can save your life. Uh, restraining so restraint can be a good thing because some of you parents, you have to restrain your kids, and why do you restrain your kids? It's for their own good. It benefits them. It may benefit others too, but it benefits them. When You must restrain your kids for their own protection, for their own good. It's important. If you break your leg in a cast, it restrains that leg. If it's in a brace, it restrains that leg. But it's not a bad restraint because it is a tool to help healing to take place. There are good restraints. Having restraints when it comes to freedom is important to remember. Another word for restraint is limit or border. Border is another word for restraint. Now, this is an interesting subject here border and immigration is a chance to make people really happy or really sad or really upset or whatever. It's not a political message. But here's some here's some important things for us to I think to keep in mind of. when it comes to that debate or others. This nation's always been one that's the most it's the most open and inviting nation in the world. I've been to other nations, and you try to get into that nation. And if you get the, if you get in there illegally, let me tell you, the results not going to be good. Consequences not good. A nation has to be a nation of laws to survive. A nation has to have borders to survive. Yes, there needs to be a way to work to care for people and to to, uh, help people that are destitute and families that are in bad situations. It needs to be there. It could be worked out if people could just simply determine what was right and good for the nation and for those people. There are solutions to that problem, but no one wants to find that solution because it's a political tool. And The the hypocrisy in it is tremendous. The hypocrisy in it is it's like you can go to someone and says, I believe that we should have completely open borders. Anybody, anybody can come to this nation. Ask that person if you can pitch a tent in their backyard. No, don't ask them. Just go pitch a tent in their backyard. Ask them if they lock their doors. Ask them if they use security systems. We need to just get smart and intelligent and don't be moved by your emotions in these things because we want people who are hurting to be taken care of. And I heard, from an, I heard a direct report from, from an official down on the border who stated... That the condition of those that are crossing the border illegally, the condition of those in their family, despite what you have heard and seen, which some of those are states, despite what's happening, there's some bad things happening to people. But this person said that the people are being, the last six months to a year, the people there have been treated better than they were in the eight to 12 years previously. He watched it. He said, there are some horrible situations that took place in those families in years previous to now, but it has done nothing but improve. Now, that comes from someone who's there, not a news agency. And you're going to hear different stories, and there's going to be different sides. It's just important for you and I as Christians to do our best to get down to what's really true. And this thing of responsibility. Whose responsibility is it? Where does responsibility start and stop? If I send my dependents and kids 15 to 1800 miles without someone to care for them to cross the border so that if I do that, is that being a responsible parent? There are things being created in this country to cause turmoil. There's hatred that's being stirred up in this country. And we must come to a point as Christians that whether we agree on all these issues or not, we must come to the place of saying, Lord, I want to get to the bottom of truth. I don't want to be moved by emotions. I want us to be a country that is compassionate toward people and compassionate toward families and doesn't hurt, but we must be a nation of laws and we must have certain restraints or else this nation ceases to become the nation it is. Therefore, what all these people are coming to experience and enjoy in this country will no longer exist. This is for everybody's own good. Now, everybody's not going to be treated fairly. But how many of you got that notice and that message a long time ago in this world? Everybody's not treated fairly. We have a responsibility to compassionately care for people, but there must be restraints in order to protect what is extremely important that would eventually bless those people. Think about it. Think about it. Don't be stirred up by your feelings about it. Think it through. Look at the facts Instead of just listening to one broadcast or another. Borders are important because limits are important. Very important. The Bible warns about casting off restraints. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. The scripture says, uh, King James Version. Y'all remember this verse? Where there's no vision, the people perish. We all know that. We preached a lot of sermons on you, you must have vision. Or there's no life, there's no destiny, and, and true, that's a true message. But that's not exactly what that verse says. We've done that before. <laughs> Pastors and teacher have done that before. They took a verse and, and 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 it didn't mean it didn't mean what they were teaching contextually or in the context of that. But uh, it made a good message anyway because. True, but this is important. It says, where there's no vision, people perish. In the New King James, it gets a little bit closer. It says, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. The good news, paraphrase, it says, a nation without God's guidance is without order. Happier are those who keep God's law. New Living Translation says, now this is good. It says, where people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild but whoever obeys the Lord is joyful. People who cast off restraints. Freedom without limits and restraints is anarchy. And we're seeing, we're seeing that in some places today. You ever think about a railroad track? You know, a railroad track could be seen as restraint. You know, it's not like you can get up here and say, I'd like to make a right turn right now. You're going to go wherever that track takes you because it's restraining you. Did you know that there are certain restraints in our life that are exactly like that? The teachings, of what some of the things we see in the Word of God is like, uh, like a train track. Some of our, our laws and things that we have in our country that's for the good and benefit of the people, they're like train tracks. And if we stay on them, if we stay on them if we stay on course, we get to our destination. If you don't, it's a train wreck. So restraints are extremely important. They are to help us get where we're going. Finally, the third thing is freedom always comes with responsibility. First Corinthians ten twenty three says, Paul said, "You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. That's <laughs> so true." There's responsibility with our freedoms. Freedom isn't a license. Freedom walks hand in hand with responsibility. Let me name these as we close. Freedom and responsibility. We are responsible, first of all, responsibility to hear and obey God. Bottom line, all the other things we've talked about this morning as believers, we're responsible to get into the Word, to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show us and to hear and obey the Lord. Now, what's the motivation for people obeying the Lord? For, you know, for a lot of people they feel like it's a have to, it's an obligation. And brought up in that context, if they, if they don't obey God, then you know, He's gonna hit them with a big stick or something, you know. But that's not that's not how it's to be. Freedom with responsibility, being responsible obeying God, we're motivated first of all by His grace and His love and His goodness. My, how would we, why would we not want to obey a father who loves us like our father, who gives good gifts to his children? Why would we not want to obey Him? So it's His goodness and mercy and grace. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want to hear. I want to obey you, Lord. It's the goodness of the Lord. His commandments are not grievous, the scripture says. Romans 6, 16 says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin or choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Our our motivation to serve Him should be because He's God. He's in charge. He's right. He's good. He's he's brought grace and mercy and goodness into my life. How how good God is. Yes? Amen? Amen. Uh, The second reason the motivation for, for obeying the Lord is... The fact that it just is a, it's a pathway to blessing. Whatever a man sows, that shall we also reap. And when you obey, the result of that is going to be greater blessing in your life. One of the third motivations for, for obeying, being responsible to obey the Lord is the truth, or the reality of the judgment seat of Christ. Every person who's a believer will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, people say, well. Uh, why? Well, it's not to be judged of whether you're saved or lost because you already are based on Jesus Christ. If you know him as Savior, you're saved. But still, we have, we have an opportunity to give an accountability of what we do with the life he's given us. And that's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's about rewards. And so the accountability to God should spur us on to serve him and obey him. The second thing is not only responsible for To God, but we're responsible for others. Boy, the New Testament's filled with one another. The little phrase, one another, one another, one another, one another. And over and over it's said, love one another, serve one another, forgive one another. It's extremely important to see that as we're free, we have a responsibility. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, he said, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have to become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. He said, I'm here to serve. I'm responsible to others. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The third responsibility we have is we have a responsibility to gain knowledge. The Bible says if we ask wisdom, He gives to us and upbraith not. We can seek the Lord for wisdom. It would be good for us to use Probably visit the book of Proverbs a little bit more. There's tremendous words of wisdom there. But boy, do we need greater wisdom today. And when it comes to decisions relating to your family, to this nation, to uh, choices that you must make, you and I, we need the wisdom of God. Yes? Yes. Man, we need the wisdom of God. There is so much being said. How many of you know that everything on Facebook is not true? And we need wisdom. By the way, if you if you share something on Facebook, you need to make sure you know what you're sharing. Now everyone that's friends with me are wondering if you did that or not, but I'm not aware of that. Maybe that's why I have such few friends. I've been, but but, but I, I've seen some things shared by people that they didn't read the whole thing through. They use great wisdom there. And so it's important to share. And then sometimes in a Facebook sense, we should just keep our mouth shut. Yes? Yes. (laughs) But it's a tremendous vehicle to share your views or your ideas about things. I think that's wonderful. Actually, I think it's wonderful. I don't think it's improving relationships a lot. I don't think being a friend on Facebook is being a friend. I think it's much more than, I think friendship's much more than that. But anyway, get off my little Facebook stump. But you understand that what I'm saying is is that we accept so many things. It's it we are responsible for wisdom. We are responsible to be informed. To be informed as believers, what the Word of God says, and to be informed as to what the truth is. Get as close as you can to the source and to the facts. Don't be moved by what just anyone tells you. We are to be an an informed public or republic. And we have a responsibility to teach. We have a responsibility to teach. Teach others the importance of freedom, the source of freedom, the great things about this country, the foundation of this country, the truths about freedom, The freedoms of this country. Teach them to your children. Teach them to your children's children. Responsibility of sharing it. Of course, you have to know something yourself before you can share it. So if you feel lacking in that area, then there's some tremendous sources to go back to and find out what this country is all about. It's not a perfect country. Bad things, some unfortunate things happen over the years even in the name of America United States. It's unfortunate. It's bad. But it is still, in a sense of nations and caring for this world, it is still seen as the one last hope. It's still seen as that. Wouldn't you like for that to be the case your entire lifetime? Wouldn't you like for that America to still be seen as that hope, as that country of hope? Wouldn't you like to see that for your children? Wouldn't you like to see that for your grandchildren? Then we must be well informed, and we must teach. And the last thing is, we have a responsibility to guard and defend those freedoms. I don't know what that might mean to you. Many of you were in the military, and you have guarded. Some of you have been law enforcement, first responder, you've taken responsibility to serve and to guard and defend freedoms and help people. Let's understand that. We have a responsibility to guard and defend the freedom that we've been given. It's a gift from God but he's called us to use it and to defend it. Stand up for it. Folks, you want to stay out of the mobs, and out of the riots, and out of the lies, but as Christians, you want to stand. Don't don't let that cause you to back off and just be silent. Stand in truth, and I hope no one can disagree with this. Stand in truth, and stand in love. And believe that God's going to work in people's lives this day.